1: Welcome into the action line from WGNS. It's sort of a cold morning. Ah, winter's in the air. Christmas is just around the corner, 28 degrees, in downtown Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro Fire Chief Mark Folks is with us this morning from the Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Department. Mark, good morning.
2: Good morning, sir. How are you?
1: Doing great. Good to have you with us today. Great to be here. This cold weather brings on
2: unique challenges for the fire department, yes, it does um, well, additionally, one thing is we have a whole lot more heating fires when weather is this cold, of course, because of just the elements of people using external heat sources that are not normal heat sources to try to uh, either supplement the heat that they have in their house or otherwise, and so we just ask everyone to be careful but uh, the biggest the other biggest factor with the uh, with the cold weather is the safety of our firefighters and just making sure that we are we have enough firefighters on scene if we have a, a structure fire or any other type of incident to where we can uh, perform proper rehabilitation for those that personnel and keep them warm and uh, keep them safe, hydrated, and all the different things that they need to be uh, while they're operating on the fire scene.
1: Have you had uh, many? What, what are the fires that you have this time of year? Heat-related, trying to warm up a house? Things yeah,
2: like- we, of course, we always have cooking fires all year long because people make mistakes in the kitchen, leaving pots unattended and doing things like that. So we, we have those all year round. Uh, but this time of year, we see a whole lot more heating fires. Um, people trying to supplement with external sources of heat, such as a, you know, a, a little small heater that they, space heater, we call them, uh, that they put in there. Some of those are very safe. Uh, and Some of them, the older ones, probably aren't near as safe as the, some of the newer ones. Most of the new ones have uh, that are UL listed have tip-over protection. That way, if they get knocked over by a pet or accidentally by the, the homeowner, uh, they will stop, to wor- stop working and not set anything on fire that they tip up against. Um, one of the things we see with those, everybody is encouraged to leave at least three feet of space um, between that space heater and anything that's combustible. So out in the middle of open space, not right up against your... Um, couch or chair or desk or table or anything like that so you need to make sure that those are at a safe distance um, when you're using heat sources such as kerosene heat we ask you to be very careful if you can avoid using those types of heaters at all we would ask you to do so uh, just because of the how they're fueled and everything with how they produce the heat and it's just a much more dangerous type of heat than a lot of the other heat sources we have now that are that are very economical now compared to what they used to be as far as producing heat Uh, in your home, some of the ceramic disc heaters and other types of infrared heaters are very economical to operate, and they're very safe to operate, and we ask people to kind of look at those, but um, one of the other issues that we always see in some of the older homes are um, wall-mounted heaters that are inside the house. Typically, those don't have a positive off on them. They've got a a thermostat on them, and they're not ever all the way off, and so people will stack stuff in front of them, like a couch. or books or, you know, boxes or otherwise because they think that that thing is cut off um, because it's all the way to the left uh, position and those things are never really off. And so if it gets cold enough, those things may kick on. And if you've got the back of a couch pushed up against that wall heater, it may uh, come on. So if you're not using that type of heat any longer... We ask that you would just kind of get an electrician to come out and look at it and cut it off from power, and that way there's no power going to it and and it's off all the time, and we make sure that those things don't kick on if it were to get cold. So people
1: will put in a... a central heat system but leave those in and they kick on when you least expect them
2: yes that's exactly what happens in a lot of cases in older homes Uh, we see those and and a lot of people will have them removed after a while because they just don't like the aesthetics of them or the looks of them so they'll have them removed but even if you don't have them removed you would we would ask you at least to cut it off uh, from the electrical uh, circuit that's going to it uh, and have that cut off and that way there's no. There's no chance of it kicking on if it were to get cold, if your your normal heat were to fail or otherwise, there's no chance of it kicking on and and igniting whatever's in front of it.
1: By the way, if you have questions for our chief folks, our phone number is 615-893-1450. You can talk or text whichever you prefer, all on that one number, 615-893-1450. Obviously, Christmas is in the air. And and we're hearing reports of more and more people using live Christmas trees. Is that presenting uh, any challenges?
2: Well, it can. Uh, it typically doesn't early in the season, um, but it rears its head after a couple of weeks because... Uh, people that have had artificial trees for a long time Don't realize there's a lot of care and maintenance to a live tree Compared to an artificial tree That's right, and they don't usually tell you that when you buy it Exactly <laughs> And so uh, so there, there is a whole lot more care and maintenance to a live tree uh, You've got to make sure that that thing stays watered all the time uh, And they will really soak up the water uh, more so than what you think And so if you go a couple of days without checking it uh, And that thing starts to dry out It can really become dry very quickly uh, and it, it presents a major hazard as far as flammability goes um, when those things dry out. And so they're they're very safe if managed appropriately. Uh, and we, we encourage everyone to, to choose the type of tree that they want to. But we also encourage everyone that if they're going to do a live tree, especially inside their home, that they just make sure that they're taking care and maintenance of it. There's a lot of information on the Internet about how to care for those. Um, the amount of water to put in them, what you can do to kind of increase the uptake of water within the tree and So I would encourage you to go online and kind of look at some of those things about how to care and maintain a live tree uh, throughout the season because we've also noticed that a lot of people have put up Christmas decorations early this year, which I think is great because it's it's festive and it's um, with this year that we've had, I think it's great for everybody to have something that gets them in a good mood uh, and all the lights and the Christmas trees and things like that. But the longer that those trees stay up, the more of a chance that they have of drying out And we would just ask that everybody practice safety when it comes to that.
1: Once again, how long should you leave a living Christmas tree up?
2: Well, it depends on, again, how well you maintain it. Uh, You can maintain it and it stay up probably four to five weeks safely. Um, But if it's not maintained well, those things can dry out within just a few days. And so um, if you're not going to be able to maintain a tree, if you're going to be gone on an extended vacation, um, you know, more than three or four days that you're not going to be able to be in the house and water that tree and make sure that it's maintained and cared for, even if you're not going to have lights on or otherwise to it. Um, I would ask that you just kind of look more at an artificial tree or wait till you're going to come back from that vacation or that time away uh, because you really have to kind of manage those trees every couple of days as far as checking the water on them, making sure that they, they keep water in there and that you keep those trees hydrated to where they don't dry out
1: seems like once in a while you set a tradition and you follow it for a few years one of the traditions we used to do back when the kids were kids uh, was to plant the christmas trees and we would have several years of memory uh, out in front of the house there uh, with a living christmas tree that you're going to plant how long should you leave it in the house before you take it outside and plant it
2: uh, well, if you're going to have one that you're going to plant, it's the same basis. You, of course, you have to keep those watered and hydrated even better than you do a cut-off um, live Christmas tree because you know you're wanting to make sure that it's viable to go back outside and be planted and it's going to live for a long time. And so you, it's it's the same type of care and maintenance that you would have with a with a live tree or a fresh cut tree uh, that you're putting into your house, but with a live tree with the, the root ball and everything else on it in to make sure that it's in water it's properly hydrated and it's and that you're caring for it and make sure that you're watching for signs for it to dry out if you see anything starting to turn brown on it just make sure that you're that you're maintaining it properly
1: now one other thing in the name of your service it's murfreesboro fire and rescue the rescue part comes in on this next question uh and and that is dealing with putting up the Christmas decorations. Uh, hopefully you won't have to call Fire and Rescue, but if you fall off the roof or do something like that, what, what should we be doing to reduce that risk?
2: Yeah, One of my favorite movies of all time is Christmas Vacation. Oh, yeah. I don't think yeah. that there's a more <laughs> um, hilarious movie than that with all the things that are in there, but everybody's inner Clark Griswold comes out kind of at the Christmas season, and we're seeing a lot of that with a lot of light displays and things like that. And, and the thing that we would ask you to do is just... Um, be cognizant that getting on a roof and and climbing to those heights on a ladder is very, very dangerous, and we just want to to make sure that everyone practices safety when they're putting up those lights. Um, If you don't have the equipment to get to the height that you need to get to, either go rent the equipment at one of the rental uh, stores, a a higher ladder, a a boom lift, or something like that to get to the the peaks of the roof that you're trying to get to uh, with those lights, or or, or borrow it from a friend. Just make sure that you've got the proper equipment. We see people at times put um, ladders in the bed of pickup trucks to try to get more height on them and things like that, and it's just a recipe for disaster. Um, there's When you're trying to add on to things that aren't meant to be added on to, um, extending a height of a ladder by artificial means, there, it's just a recipe for disaster, and it can result in, in bad things happening. And we just want to make sure that everybody's safe and, and that they practice the appropriate things. Of course, um, when, you get, when you get falls of great heights, uh, greater than 10 to 15 feet, it can result in very traumatic injuries to the body. Um, which can um, lead to death in a lot of cases, and people just don't realize that that a fall from that height can can do that. And um, and of course, as you get older, um, you're not able is not quite as agile as you used to be, and you may think that you are, but you're not quite as agile as you used to be, and be able to uh, maneuver places that you used to can maneuver and and get things put up lighting wise and other things like that. So we just ask that everyone um, as they're doing that, just practice and ensure that they're practicing safety. Um, make sure that they've got the proper equipment that they need to to get up there and do those things safety belts safety lines ropes other things like that 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 you would see a roofing crew utilize to put roofs on a house or different things like that if you're going to be on the roof we we would say that homeowners need to practice the same type of safety to make sure that they don't fall off their own roof
1: we have a text question here from a listener who says last time you were on i was taking the grandkids to school and didn't have time to write it uh, down but what kind of fire extinguishers do you recommend for a house and do you need more than one
2: yeah we typically recommend like we mentioned last time abc extinguishers Um, those will put out most types of fires Uh, they're a common type of fire extinguisher that you'll find at any of your uh, convenience stores or otherwise and um, we just um, that's the one that we recognize recommend the most and and then depending on what your hazards are within your home as to how many that you have within your house Um, but we we really, we've talked a lot um, when I've been on the show about how fire grows in intensity very quickly uh, because of the things we have in our homes now uh, being made out of synthetics. So we, we ask people to take caution on using home extinguishers uh, if the fire is any size whatsoever. And if it's the size of a trash can, then, yeah, we might can attempt to put that out. But if we've got an entire room that's on fire and, you, and you're not going to be able to put that out with a standard fire extinguisher and so we just ask that you get out of the home uh, close all the doors possible to cut off the oxygen flow to the to the fire and just get out of the get out of the house as quickly as you can and not try to put those out but uh, you can safely use fire extinguishers and we can uh, we can help with that um, teaching how to use fire extinguishers and et cetera. but where you are but uh, we really want everybody to be cautious about how they're using fire extinguishers or trying to use those in a home. Um, and like we mentioned before, it's uh, using those in some environments are just not going to be uh, sustainable, and it's going to actually decrease the amount of time that you have to get out of the home if you stay in and try to fight the fire.
1: Now, if you're using it there uh, on a fire that's in a room, and but you do have a, a an exit that's relatively close by, uh, how long should you attempt to... Put the fire out. Uh, Force uh, call the fire department first. But how long should you stay in there and try to get it out, waiting for the fire department to well, arrive?
2: a typical fire extinguisher is only going to last a few seconds. I mean, when oh, you it's gonna when be you out. yeah, it's going to be out. And so, if you can't put that fire out in that few seconds, don't go grab another fire extinguisher and try to put it out. Uh, just escape from the home. Close the door if you can to the room that's on fire, and close any other door that you can on the pathway in. Close the door to your home. Uh, because that eliminates the oxygen um, content that the fire has to grow with, and it it really helps stop those fires in their tracks. It helps isolate and contain it.
1: I'm glad you mentioned closing those doors, because I hear a lot of that these days on closing your bedroom doors at night. Well, what is the – especially if you have kids that get scared uh, and you – close your door you close their door uh what what do you do about and what does it do for you by closing the
2: door well closing the door essentially cuts you off from the fire and and even a standard hollow core uh door that you find in normal construction in a home can provide a lot of protection against fire that may be in the room next door Uh, we've seen studies where um The National Institutes of Science and Technology and UL have done studies on fire evolution and how it grows and how fire behaves. And they found that if you're behind a closed door of a room, um, you can have the temperature may rise in that room 6 to 8 degrees while you've got a fire going in the the room next door of 1,100 to 1,200 degrees in that room next door. And that's how much protection it provides you. It provides you protection from smoke. It provides you protection from the heat it eliminates the spread of fire going into those rooms, uh, into those other rooms, et cetera. I mean, it just really helps in every way possible uh, to do that. And we do a lot of training now with the flow path um, of how smoke moves through a building, how the fire is trying to entrain oxygen because the fire is it needs oxygen to survive and so it's it's trying to pull oxygen in to to burn more intense and those kind of things and if you cut that oxygen off it, it'll dampen down the intensity and the and the heat with the fire being able to burn so it's a great idea to close your door uh, it's a great idea if you if you have something that catches on fire before you leave your home close the doors um you know a lot of people think well we're going to go in and, and ventilate it we've we've seen people in the past that if their home catches on fire, they're, they're breaking windows to try to get the smoke out of their home, which is a really, really bad idea because what we're trying to do is, you know, basically um, smother out that fire as much as we can and eliminate the oxygen sources until we're ready to put the fire out uh, with a lot of water that we have with to carry with us coming to the scene.
1: And that brings about another question. If you're in the bedroom at night, your house is on fire, your doors are closed, and you don't know if that room next to you is the one that has the flames with the 1,100 degree temperature, do you try to exit out the hallway or do you go out the window?
2: Well, it it would depend on the cert- situations and circumstances. If you only have that one door and, you, and you're worried that that fire, you you think that a fire may be on that door. One thing we ask we can do is check that with the back of our hand. You don't want to check it with the front of your hand because it will actually draw toward the the door and keep your hand in contact with the door longer. If you check it with the back of your hand, it'll actually draw away from the door. And it so it pulls
1: your hand to the door. Yeah, that-
2: because when you when it uh, that heat will actually draw your hand. Toward the door, if you're mm-hmm. getting burned, whereas if you put your hand on the backside uh, and your hand contracts like it normally does, right. grips, right. it will pull you away from the door. And so we actually check that with the back of your hand. Uh, we we want to make sure that it's really clear of smoke and flame before you're doing that or opening that door because we just mentioned flow path. If you open that door up, it may create a flow path towards you. Uh, that that fire is using that oxygen that's coming towards you, and it's going to start pushing that fire in that direction. And so um, we would encourage people, if they if they safely can, to go out of a window if they're in that environment. And, and you know, call 911 um, once they get out of the house, but safely get out of that window, leave everything closed off, and call the fire department if they have a fire in that situation.
1: All righty, our phone number is 615-893-1450. Obviously, you already know how to text messages. You're doing a good job on that this morning. 615-893-1450. We're talking about your safety, your Christmas safety, and maybe some new things that you didn't know about on keeping your family safe in the event of a fire. Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Chief Mark Foulkes is with us this morning. Stay with us. If you have a baby, We're going to touch on putting in those baby car seats uh, the proper way.
0: The Truman Show. Weekday mornings at 9. WGNS, your good neighbor station. Rutherford County's place to talk. First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna is reminding you not to wait on that next car repair job. As a matter of fact, if you're a teacher or first responder, there are special discounts available to you on your next job. So stop by First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. That's First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna.
3: As the Christmas season is approaching, there are many parties out there and last-minute gifts, and Demas is here to be able to help you along with all those things. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas' Restaurants. One of the things that we have to offer is obviously our gift cards, and the gift cards come in any denomination. We have our seasonings that makes a perfect gift. We have Demas' classic T-shirts. Demas' also now has catering to be able to serve you and to be able to take care of you. Any of this information is available online, www.demasrestaurants.com.
2: Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City. If your fish tank is looking a little dated, now is the perfect time to freshen it up before hosting holiday events.
1: Here at Animal City, brighten up your living space with an
2: aquarium. or new background for your reptiles, Animal City would love to help you with your pet needs. And for the pet lover on your list, Animal City gift card makes the perfect gift. This is Amanda from Animal City. Come do business with Animal City
1: at
3: 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. This is Kim Dunaway from Sunshine Nutrition Center. You hear me on Monday mornings at 720 talking about how to lead a healthier lifestyle. We carry supplements, personal care, and grocery items at both our Murfreesboro and Smyrna locations, family-owned and operated since 1989. Good morning. Traffic's picked up quite a bit in the last few minutes out here on 24. It's still busy trying to get up through the Hickory Hollow area towards Nashville. It all started an hour ago. We had a three-car wreck up there. People are just rubbernecking as they drive by leaving Davidson, uh, Rutherford County into Davidson County there on 24 westbound. We are looking at it live here It's Slow up by Hickory Hollow Parkway. Hey, sleep with the sharks in a grown-up atmosphere at Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies, December 26. All the details Ripley's Aquarium of Smokies.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time trapping.
1: Thank you, Chuck. What about that Murfreesboro weather brought
3: to you by Capstar Bank? Partial sunshine develops here for this afternoon with a high in the mid 50s, south winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, chance for rain late alone here 39. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Voichit, Scan News Radio WGNS.
2: Currently, it's 29.
1: Old friends, new name, better together as First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank.
0: We break in with traffic, news, and weather bulletins anytime. Good Neighbor Talk is your 24-7 connection. WTNS, AM, FM, and online.
1: Good morning to Truman Jones. He's going to be joining us in about uh, 30 minutes or so. He will be live at Adams Place this morning. So uh, welcome in Truman this morning. He'll be right with us. Our birthday winner today is Jesse Warwick, Jr. Happy birthday to you, Jesse. Jesse receives some goodies from Simply Pure Sweets Bakery and Cafe on the east side of the Murfreesboro Square. And our good neighbor of the day is Antonio Roundtree, who's always helping friends with anything they need. Antonio, a friend in need, and he receives flowers today from Jenny Harrison. And the family at Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts. By the way, if you know a good neighbor, let us know who they are. Send us their name, address, and phone number. And tell us why they should be the good neighbor of the day. Today we're talking about your safety. Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Chief Mark Foulkes is our guest. If you have a question, give us a shout. You can talk or you can text, whichever you prefer, at six one five eight nine three fourteen fifty, we're going to talk right now about uh, the child baby seats, the rear seats, rear ends for your rear seat in the car. Uh, don't put them in the front seat. Some people do that to uh, have the child with them, but that's not safe, is it?
2: No, it's not. Um, and and we see a lot of um, you know. And, and as a parent, years ago, I would I would love to have had people to be able to install child safety seats because that was one of the biggest frustration is trying to get those seats in as tight as they're supposed to be and things like that um, but we just want to implore everyone to make sure that you're following the manufacturer's recommendations and the safety regulations that are coming down with child safety seats the front seat is not a place to have those the airbags can significantly uh, impact those child safety seats and actually cause harm to the child that is in those seats Uh, depending on the situation. Um, But we just ask that everyone follow the recommendations on doing that. And we we install those seats. We have a lot of technicians within our fire department. We've got uh, multiple stations that uh, we have people working at that can install child safety seats. Our community risk reduction division, and I I can't say enough about everything that they do in the community risk reduction division to keep our community safe. And that's everything from fire inspections to child safety seat installations to smoke alarm program to um, determining fire invest origin and cause and de- doing investigations on those uh, it's, and, and the public education that they do through our school systems and senior living centers and, and other things like that that they do in the community risk reduction division. That's seven personnel work over there and they just do a fantastic job of keeping our community safe but one of the programs of that division uh, that kind of filters down to, the, to our shift work, the, what we do on the companies as well, is install child safety seats and and people think, well, I can I can install a child safety seat, but the, people don't realize the technician level class to install a child safety seat is is over forty hours in length, and then you have to have so many continuing education hours on changes that are coming about the car seats and changes to the law and different things like that. So you have to install so many seats, you have to get continuing education hours after you're a technician to keep that technician certification up. And so it's not as simple as just going out there and, and clicking the seat belt and saying, okay, our child safety seat is installed. It's a it's a there really needs to be some attention paid to that. And what we would encourage everyone to do if you've got a child safety seat, um, contact our division, uh, community risk reduction division. You can contact them through our regular office, 615-893-1422. Uh, about a child safety seat installation, and just contact our department and let us know. Um, we'll make an appointment for you to come over or that's convenient for you to either one of our stations or our community risk reduction division. They can install those child safety seats correctly uh, and, and get them in there for a long time. So, and couples that are getting ready to have their first child or getting ready to have a child uh, before you, a few weeks out before you ever go to the hospital, uh, just make an appointment, make a time for, to come get that installed, the base installed for your, your carrier. Uh, we'll get that installed in the vehicle and then you'll be safe and ready to go for whenever uh, the child is ready to come home from the hospital.
1: Now, do these seats change over the years? Let's say you're a parent or a grandparent and, and you have a, a safety seat that your child had uh, and you know how to put it in. Uh, is it as safe as the new ones are?
2: Uh, typically, no. And and, the, and those things change. And I think, I think the recommendation on a child safety seat is about five years of use um, of five years old, and not even really used, but those things kind of age out over five years because everything within those um, can degrade over time, just like with anything else that you purchase. And so, you know, they, they want you to have new and updated child safety seats um, that you're installing in vehicles, and we just want to make sure that everyone keeps those in there and safe. If you've got an old child safety seat laying around, it, it's probably just a good idea to get rid of it, throw it away, uh, because it's not u- really recommended to be used whatsoever uh, in, a, in a vehicle
1: Now this really We were talking about this Prior to the broadcast uh, Something happened recently and, and this really came to life
2: Yeah Recently we installed A child safety seat in a vehicle And within just um, A short amount of time um, that vehicle was involved in a collision that seriously injured the father um, of the child that was in the vehicle uh, and the state troopers investigated the the accident and stated that if that child's safety seat had not been properly installed the child would have likely perished in in the accident that's how severe the accident was and um We just implore everyone to make sure that they're getting those child safety seats installed correctly, and uh, and, and we've got the means to do that, and we're very happy to do that as a service to our community, and we just want to make sure those children are safe riding around in cars. And, and you know, we, and occasionally, and it it kind of, um, it's very rare that I see that now. I used to see it a lot, but it it really kind of upsets me when I see a child uh, unrestrained in a vehicle. And so it, it is just so extremely dangerous in this day and time to have a child unrestrained in a vehicle. Um, there's so many cars on the road there 's so many accidents that are occurring and and everything that's got going on. We just implore everyone to to have your child restrained properly uh, in the type of seat that 's needed, whether that 's an infant carrier whether that's a, a forward facing car seat if they age up to that, or whether it 's a booster seat um, and and some children need to stay in booster seats a lot longer than others just because of their size um, but we just want to make sure that everyone is is keeping their children safely restrained and and making sure that they're doing that uh, all the time, and even adults. I mean, we want to make sure that adults are wearing seatbelts because it really, really saves lives. Um, when you're involved in a car accident and you don't have a seatbelt on, you become a projectile within that vehicle, and sometimes outside of that vehicle, if you're ejected from the vehicle, um, you become a loose object that can be projected somewhere else. And and we just want to make sure that everyone is, is wearing seatbelts and doing everything they can to maintain uh, safety.
1: Now, when you talk about the booster seats, I have a grandchild who is a small child, but she's nine years old, but still uses a booster seat. Is that based on weight
2: or height? Uh, it's typically based on height. I think it's four feet six inches or four feet eight inches. I'm not exactly positive on that, but it's, it's, it's typically a height, not a weight, um, that's related on that because how... And, and that's based on how the the seat comes across your shoulder safely, and not getting up into your neck because you're you're not tall enough for that that shoulder belt to come across the shoulder in the means that it needs to. And that what's the that's what the booster seat does is help elevate you up to where the shoulder belt comes across where it's supposed to come across and doesn't get into your neck or your spine.
1: Well, you just brought up a whole new list of questions right there, with uh, it's based on height and not age. What about a short adult who is, I mean, I've seen adults that are not 4'6".
2: Yeah, and and typically you would say um, either get some kind of a booster seat or something like that to sit on in the vehicle or uh, use your seatbelt adjustments that are in the vehicle. You know, a lot of times you see um, you see people that don't use those seatbelt adjustments. They, they go from high to low on, on your vehicular adjustment. Just make sure that you're using those seatbelt adjustments to make sure that it falls across your shoulder. Uh, in the proper means and it's not up high kind of hanging above your shoulder because that can get into your your neck and your head uh, if you were to crash and so we just want to make sure that everyone's wearing those in the proper manner. We
1: still see people who don't use the safety belts and then when you I know here at the radio station when we see the reports of a traffic accident and it'll talk about someone was uh, ejected through the window you know pretty well that that seatbelt was not used. They often don't make it when that happens.
2: Yes, they're they're often severely injured or do not make it when you when you are leaving the vehicle because of a crash, and uh, when you're ejected from a vehicle, it usually results in very very serious sustained injuries, and so it's. Uh, you're either going to result in passing away from that or you're going to have injuries that um, are just going to debilitate you potentially for life um, when you're ejected from a vehicle. And we just just ask everyone to wear seatbelts because it's the safest thing to do. I know that people say, well, it's not real comfortable to wear a seatbelt and all those things, but... Uh, It's just a habit. I mean, and and, uh, I can't get in a car without feeling, um, you know, almost naked without a seatbelt on because if I start to go anywhere, I realize, hey, I don't have my seatbelt on. Uh, And it's just a habit. It's the first thing I grab when I get in the car. And and that's something my parents did when I was 16 and started driving for the first time. They said, you're going to wear your seatbelt all the time, every time you're in a car. And you just need to make a habit out of it. And of course, that was in the in the 80s when seatbelts weren't mandated and it wasn't the law and all that stuff to have them on. But uh, once it becomes a habit and once you're used to doing it, it's it's just second nature to have it on, and you really don't feel right driving around uh, without one on. When it becomes the when you get into that, get used to it.
1: Here's a text question from a listener. This one says, uh, "I've seen these pictures in the news, and just recently I saw a picture of a car that ran into the side of a house." And Murfreesboro Fire Department was there helping. Uh, we, we seem to see a lot of these car versus structure uh, collisions. What can? What? What is the cause of that? What? What is creating that?
2: Well, it, it's typically, um, to be honest with you, a lot of times now because you're seeing more of these. It's distracted driving in a lot of cases, and we, we see people uh, texting and doing other things with their phone, uh, and it's now against the law to to even be touching your phone while you're in the vehicle. Um, if you're using your phone, you should have hands-free, either Bluetooth, Bluetooth devices or something like that to be able to be on the phone while you're in the car. Uh, but a lot of what we're seeing is distracted driving, and that distracted driving results in higher speed collisions because you're not paying attention to the vehicles in front of you that have stopped uh, and and if you try to avoid those in any way shape form or fashion or glance off of those you know you're you're going into people's yards and homes and other things like that and and when you get into a yard situation and you've got a little bit of speed carrying with you it's not like you don't get traction like you do on a street and so you start skidding through that yard and then all of a sudden you're into a home or a, a structure and uh, unfortunately we've had a few of those that we've had to go in and stabilize or uh, support the home, um, shore the home up to make sure that it 's structurally safe to, to be uh, for the occupants to be um, renovated or otherwise uh, and repaired once that happens but that's, it is typically caused by distracted driving and, and too much speed in a lot of situations and cases
1: and one of the other things that uh, we need to talk about this morning is uh, we 've talked about fires brought on by heat we 've talked about fires brought on by trees. Uh, cooking fires, things of that sort, once you have a fire uh what what length of time do you have to be in that house? Should you be worried about old photographs, things that can 't be replaced? Should you try to get those
2: well what we would what we would suggest is you know a lot of people are converting their older photographs and stuff like that to to cloud drives to where they're, they're stored online in a cloud situation or they're on at least DVDs and things like that, and you put them in a safe deposit box, um, that you can make sure that you have those mementos. Uh, but, but there is no memento um, period that's worth losing your life over or becoming seriously injured over. So we would just ask that don't try to go back in because your time frame that you have to escape the hot gases From a fire that's occurring inside your home Is very, very limited Um, The things that are burning inside your home Are now made out of a lot of synthetics We've talked about that a lot on the show Um, The last several times I've been on here talked about how synthetics are different From the things that were made back in the 70s And so uh, where everything was Natural materials, wood or cotton Or other things, everything now is synthetic And it produces poisonous gases When it burns, it burns at a much hotter rate And you've got much less time to get out of your home So it is crucial, crucial, crucial to have working smoke alarms in your home nowadays uh, more so than ever before because you're not just breathing in wood smoke, you're breathing in poisonous gases when, the, when your home is burning. So have working smoke alarms, have an escape plan that you know where you're going to go to, where everybody can meet up, and, and don't try to don't try to go in and, and pull back out photographs or other things that are there. There's nothing in your home worth um, you losing your life over.
1: Here's a text from a listener, why does the fire department come out on every ambulance call, residential or traffic accident?
2: Yeah, our, the reason that we respond on and and we don't respond on every single ambulance call, uh, we respond on what's uh, more considered life-threatening emergencies in most situations and that depends on how that call is triaged through our 911 center. Uh but our, we are very closely situated within neighborhoods in Murfreesboro. We have 11 stations covering the city limits of Murfreesboro uh, that puts our response time under four minutes, and four minutes or less is what the American Heart Association recommends for uh, both chest pain calls and cardiac arrest If someone suffers those events that you have to have someone there within that four-minute time frame to, for it to be a survivable event. Uh, But we have advanced EMTs and paramedics on every one of our trucks every single day. We have all of the life-saving equipment, cardiac monitors, oxygen, medications, IVs, uh, everything else that we can do for patients, Um, and we get there quickly. And so, in those life-threatening situations, we get there quickly. We initiate care. Rutherford County EMS is our partners um, that we provide EMS with throughout the throughout the city, Uh, and we partner together with them to provide care. We'll initiate care when we arrive. And then they'll take the patient, uh, we'll transfer care to them or or coordinate with that care, and then they take the patient to the hospital uh, or other means uh, to get that patient treated for what's needed.
1: We're talking about your safety this morning. Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Chief Mark Foulkes is with us. We have just a few minutes left in the show, so if you have a question, don't wait because the time will be gone. Text it to us or call us. 615-893-1450. We will be right back. Stay with us.
0: You may think money problems are just impossible to fix. Get sound advice with Dave Ramsey, one to four weekdays, followed by certified financial planner Jason Qualls at four.
1: Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Come see us for all your gift needs. We have a wide selection of items for any unique gift. Also, if you have feathered friends or furry friends, we have what you need. And if you're needing some clothing, come check out our car heart. The Co-Op Farm and Home Center is located at 985 Middle Boulevard, just off of South Church. And you don't have to be a member to shop with us. Come on over to the Co-Op Farm and Home Center and say hi to Tina Fox.
3: Schedule online anytime. Getting an appointment with Ascension Care Teams at St. Thomas just got easier with online scheduling. Now you don't have to break away from your day to book the care you need when and where you need it. No matter where you are or what you're up to. Whether you're a new patient or if you've been here before, just pick the appointment that works for you. Schedule online anytime at GetSTHealthCare.com. Good morning. Traffic's picked up quite a bit in the last few minutes out here on 24. It's still busy trying to get up through the Hickory Hollow area towards Nashville. It all started an hour ago. We had a three-car wreck up there. People are just rubbernecking as they drive by, leaving Davidson, uh, Rutherford County into Davidson County there on 24 westbound. We are looking at it live here. It's slow up by Hickory Hollow Parkway. Hey, sleep with the sharks in a grown-up atmosphere at Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies, December 26th. All the details, Ripley's Aquarium of Smokies.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time trapping partial sunshine develops here for this afternoon with a high in the mid 50s south winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour tonight chance for rain late alone near 39 i'm meteorologist jennifer voicite scan news radio wgns currently it's 29
2: Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Online at tireworld.us.
0: The GNS in our call stands for Good Neighbor Station. That's been our objective since 1947. Now more than ever, count on WGNS.
1: Hey, welcome back. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. Murfreesboro Fire Chief Mark Fulks is with us this morning. Here's another question from a listener. How long do the fire trucks last in the fleet? And tell us about the cost.
2: Yeah, the the fire apparatus that we have, um, we... uh then what we rely off on those for replacement of those is the national fire protection association's recommendations Uh, national fire protection association has all kinds of recommendations uh, that they put down in standards that they have for the fire service everything from um, physical fitness protection to our self-contained breathing apparatus to our apparatus everything that we utilize they have recommendations and standards that they used on For safety and best practices about things that have happened in the past, uh, things that may happen and based on research and and things like that. And so the National Fire Protection Association recommends that we replace our our apparatus, that they stay on frontline fleet for about 15 years, which means they're in service um, every day for about 15 years. And if you think about that, most people don't own a car uh, these days for four or five years. But those trucks are on on frontline duty for about 15 years, and then they recommend if they if you move them to reserve status after that 15 years, which we typically do, they become a reserve apparatus. And so, if one of our frontline trucks is getting maintenance or otherwise, it'll be a truck that came off a of frontline status that'll be replacing that. Um, they recommend to, to pull those completely out of the fleet within 20 years, and, and the main reason that you pull those out is uh, one, parts availability becomes hard once the truck gets that old. Uh, two, it's it's just safety things or things going wrong mechanically with them uh, can result in higher incidents after that long that they've been in service. And three, and the biggest reason is safety. Um, just like vehicles and there's all kinds of new things with airbags and side airbags and everything else that if you're driving a 1980s vehicle, you're not going to see any of that in. Fire trucks are the same way. Safety innovations, uh, anti-roll protection, skid protection, uh, protection for the firefighters with the components that are built into those um, now are much different than they used to be in the past. And so once you get a truck that's aged out in that 15 years the safety innovations just aren't there to provide the adequate safety for the firefighters that are in the vehicle. And so uh, that's typically the replacement schedule that we go off of. We try to get those trucks offline within that 15-year time frame, and we try to get them out of service. Uh, We may leave them in service a year or two longer, depending on how well they're doing and just our replacement schedule. Uh, But that's typically the schedule that we go off of. And then um, we order a couple of different types of trucks. Uh, We have aerial ladder trucks, which are we call them Quinn apparatus, but they're they're utilized both as aerials and um, pumper trucks that are capable of doing essentially everything that we need to do at the fire scene that have an aerial ladder on them. Um, those trucks run in, in the nine hundred thousand to $1.1 one billion dollar range, <laughs> and and then so they they are expensive. Uh, and then our and then our pumper trucks, uh, the ones without the aerial ladders typically run between five hundred and $650,000 uh, a piece. But like you said, we're, we're utilizing those for at least 20 years typically uh, by the time they come out of full service. And, and so that amount of money is a large amount of money, but the, the components that it comes with and all the tools and equipment, the pump, the water – everything else that it does to uh, to provide us the ability to do our jobs is the reason that's that money is in there and it's invested that way and and when you break it down over that 20-year lifespan uh it results in a and it's it's pretty economical it's it's a lot more than uh, a lot more than you would think but it's a it's it's something that we have to have to be able to do our jobs
1: Here's another question. This one says, I'm not sure if you covered pet safety because they missed the first part of the show, but tell us a little about pet safety. I'm guessing they're talking about in a fire.
2: Yeah. Well, in a fire, uh, pets are very resilient and... and, uh, my wife's parents had a fire years and years ago, and they thought for sure that the pet had perished. Um, and in the fire, because the fire was very intense in the home, um, but that dog went to the safest place it could have possibly gone to, with the least amount of smoke and the least amount of heat, and um, and survived the fire, you know, essentially on its own. But uh, pets are the same way that you would um, you would have with children. Uh, you just want to make sure that you initially have in mind to get those pets out of the home just like you would a child uh, that you're going to have to go and and recover that pet uh, depending on where that pet may sleep or otherwise uh, in the home Um, you just want to make sure that you know that you can get to that that pet they may become afraid and if you can't immediately find them just realize that they're probably going to sense the safest place to go and that's where they're going to likely try to go to um and in those situations but again um you've got a very limited amount of time of survivability inside of a burning building yourself um breathing that toxic smoke is going to be um seconds of breathing that is going to impact you to where you're not going to be able to survive uh at all and so we just recommend that you get out of the home and, and rely on either us or the pet itself to be um safety wise on that and then and the other thing with pet safety is, you know, we've, we've gotten into temperatures and, and just looking at the forecast for the next week, it looks like we're going to be in the either the 20s or the very low 30s over the next several days. Uh, just make sure that you're not leaving your, your pets outside uh, when it's this cold. Uh, it's not sustainable for them. I know they've got those big fur coats on and their body temperature is a little bit warmer, but if you don't have a heat source out there for them um, and, and and something out there uh, in their their dog house or otherwise for them to be there get them inside the home or inside the garage to where they, they it's survivable for them uh, and then heat sources with with dog houses and otherwise are another concern just make sure that it's a very safe heat source that the dog can't Uh, get into that heat source or tip it over or burn themselves or do anything like that you know a lot of your infrared or other heat sources are are much more safe when you're talking about putting them into to a doghouse or something like that than just to even i've I've seen people put a traditional light bulb um, inside the top of a doghouse well, a dog can knock that off, and then it gets down into the bedding that they've laid in there for the dog, and then it heats that bedding up, and then all of a sudden you've got a fire that's created um, by the by the heat source that you've attempted to keep your dog warm. And so you just want to make sure that you're practicing all the precautions that you would inside a home, um, inside that dog's home as well.
1: And on that note, we want to say thank you to Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Chief Mark Fox for joining us this morning. And uh, what is the number they can call once again for child safety seats?
2: Yeah, child safety seats, smoke alarms, or any other concerns with your home or otherwise, 615-893-1422. All righty.
1: Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Truman's next on WGNS.